0: Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast Pottering Around, the Quidditch announcer of Mangum Reads We are three muggles who took library books outside of the castle And lost house points My name is Sarah and I am joined, as always, by my co host BJ and Spencer, how are y'all doing?
1: Uh, Just really thinking about how many points I would lose if that was actually a rule.
2: (laughs) Way too many. Law school would have just depleted any store that any house had forever.
1: Oh, in law school people intentionally are taking books so that people don't have them. So yeah, that's part of built in there. They may be earning points for that.
0: I uh, don't want to see the Wizarding World Law School, presumably they have to have lawyers of some sort.
1: (laughs) Oh god, I can't imagine what the legal community in the Wizarding World would be like. That is just a nightmarish scenario. Do we get to see that before this series is done? What a wizard lawyer is?
0: No, we do see some sort of ad hoc trials though. Okay.
1: By fire. I'll be curious to provide. What? (laughs) I said by fire. Oh, that, (laughs) sure.
0: Um, so, our format, as always, is I have a very brief summary, uh, because we assume that our listeners have all read Harry Potter. Uh, and then we have a couple of segments. BJ, do you have interesting words and phrases for us today? Um, a little
2: bit. Not not as much as I had hoped. Um, but, okay. <laughs> but a, a little bit. This a difficult
1: chapter for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Spencer will give us newbies notes. hmm I award house points and um, then we have some conversation sounds like a plan all, all right so are we ready for the recap of chapter 11 which is entitled Quidditch
1: I feel like I really need to actually get a handheld stopwatch to do this but I've got my <laughs> computer one ready all sorts. we'll ready. get you a
0: time-turner in book three Spencer it'll be fine
1: <laughs> okay three years from now thank you for giving me hope <laughs>
0: All right, so chapter 11 is our first chapter where we are all friends, and Harry is sort of all in the swing of learning about Quidditch. Uh, Hermione is helping this endeavor by lending history books and um, checking homework, Uh, but when Harry takes Quidditch through the ages outside, uh, Snape gets annoyed and takes it from him. Later, Harry is pretty queasy stomached and wants his book back to distract him. He tracks Snape down in the teacher's lounge, but walks in on Filch, bandaging Snape's bloody leg and Snape complaining about three-headed dogs. Harry hightails it out of there. Now we get to the second half of the chapter, Gryffindor versus Slytherin. And Slytherin's Quidditch team is, I can only describe them as hulking friend of the people, Lee Jordan, gives commentary on the game, like I do for The Great British Baking Show, and Harry is in the air looking for the snitch, while Ron and Hermione are in the stands with Hagrid. Slytherin, playing a bit dirty, Gryffindor is up in the score, but Harry's broom goes haywire, trying to buck him off. Hermione sees Snape muttering and decides he's cursing the broom, so she sets him on fire. Which seems to do the trick, carries back on his broom, sees the snitch, takes off after it and catches the snitch by nearly swallowing it. Gryffindor wins. Our trio goes to Hagrid's hut to celebrate and blame Snape. Hagrid demurs and lets slip that the three-headed dog is actually his and improbably named Fluffy. Uh, But what is it guarding? According to Hagrid, that is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel.
1: Bravo. Almost exactly one minute and 40 seconds. (laughs) Very impressive.
0: Um, Anything I missed, guys?
2: Uh, I think you covered all the major bases. Um, I'm happy to jump into my segment of entertaining words, which of those is um, Cerberus is named Fluffy, which kind of really reminded me of Good Omens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was sort of it in terms of... um, really amusing uh words or any uh choices in that nature but there was one sentence at the beginning which just made me laugh at the absurdity of it which is hardly anyone had seen harry play because wood had decided that as their secret weapon harry should be kept well secret (laughs) (laughs) it just struck me as such a goofy sentence of Mm-hmm. Of non exposition, of like not an eight year old <laughs> talking, um, it,
1: it, it was a very Joss Whedon kind of line.
2: Yeah, it, it's sort of like a tongue in cheek line that that I guess I expected somebody to say as opposed to be narrated.
0: <laughs> the I would I would like to point out, and I was thinking about this when I was um, uh, making notes for my summary. But this chapter is like a little bit interesting and weird. In terms of this book, and I, I think the rest of the books, in terms of kind of where it is with the narrator and what the narrator is saying and where the narrator is, um, particularly during the Quidditch game, when we are like weirdly bouncing back and forth between Harry on his broom and Ron and Hermione in the stands. Mm-hmm. And like very rarely do we get kind of, even in third person, the perspective of, like, specifically Ron and Hermione, but also just, like, somebody who is not Harry, unless mm-hmm. we are in um, some very specific chapters that become uh, more and more relevant throughout the books. But, like, within a book, that's really rare.
1: hmm And it's interesting how much that chapter we spend just entirely outside of Harry's head, and not even flashing in it. We even have people directly describing how, what Harry's doing in a way we've never even seen before, mm-hmm. which really removes us from a lot of it. Like. Basically, Harry catching the snitch is off-camera. Or at least it's seen through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. Because seen through his would be very uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> it's getting closer it and closer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: I, I thought there was some interesting foreshadowing in this chapter that reading through it again feels very heavy-handed. And I wonder, mm-hmm. Spencer, if your
1: newbie's notes caught that. Um, I'm going to... come. I'm going to talk about red herrings because this book really wants me to convince that Snape, to convince me that Snape is not only an asshole, but the bad guy. And yeah, we'll get into that newbie's notes here in a second, because I don't believe it. Uh,
2: okay. Uh, so why don't we jump into newbie's notes um, and then uh, Sarah can award points and then we can ask her questions until she regrets
1: all of the points that she may have awarded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. First point for me is starting on page one, but how many tiny animals have to die for Haggard to be fully clothed? Because this man has chosen as his particular form of fur to clothe him in moles, rabbits, and beavers. And, A mole skin overcoat? And he's massive. How many... And he's supposed and he's to be massive. like
2: six, seven, eight feet tall or something like that and built not particularly proportionally round.
1: Yes. so we're talking like you know a seven foot overcoat if not, to, to, to go around this guy. How many moles would have to die to make that thing come into being? I mean, Spencer,
2: I don't think we see any small woodland creatures around Hogwarts. So,
1: <laughs> are, are I you suggesting there's
0: the Forbidden Forest? <laughs> <laughs> That's where
1: they've had to retreat thanks to uh, Hagrid's culling efforts. Are you Listen, suggesting
0: Hagrid, Hagrid is. He is keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. He is a prime example of a Republican conservationist.
2: (laughs) I like it. So you're essentially saying that, you know, Hogwarts is basically a hunting preserve for small creatures to clothe large wizards.
0: Listen, there are sort of rampant populations of these rodents and while of course we want to make sure that their populations are healthy some culling act- activity has to go on
2: does diagonally have a equivalent to uh like gander mountain or um uh bass pro shops
0: <laughs> i don't know that the middle of london is necessarily where that happens but um it's possible that the village near hogwarts has one
1: you know, I didn't have a concept of Hagrid being in the remold of a Theodore Roosevelt Republican until now, but thank you for that, Sarah. I'm not gonna be able to get that out of my head. Uh, no, he, he's an definitely... I think this is
0: going to markedly improve your experience of these books, Spencer.
1: <laughs> I don't know that. It's
2: gonna be a thing now. <laughs> Just imagine Hagrid going on the uh you know, Hogwarts version of Redneck Comedy Tour and
1: oh, God. <laughs> Alright, um, you guys are giving me visuals of Hagrid that I never would have had on my own, and I'm not sure whether <laughs> the thank you's exact word is coming to mind when I'm thinking of this, but it's there now. Uh, so moving beyond Hagrid's wholesale culling of all things small and furry, um, let's go into the discussion of, I've already referenced it, but Snape. Mm-hmm. We get two separate scenes in this chapter that are, from which our, our main characters deduce that Snape directly means them ill. Or at least has some foul plan to undermine the uh, goals of Hogwarts and their future lives. We get that he has an injured leg, which, from bursting into the teacher's lounge, they deduce he got from Fluffy. And from this, they conclude that, which is a a few leaps of logic, that, okay, he must have been trying to get past Fluffy to get the package that Fluffy was guarding, and, therefore, he must have been the one that let the troll in as a distraction so that he could go in and do that. Um... I don't buy this for a lot of reasons. I get why they have this point of view, partly because they hate Snape and want to assume horrible things about him, but that's just not the series of events that we saw play out there. And why would he be very publicly showing his injuries to another teacher and even saying that the dog did it? That does well, not seem to be... Sure, go on ahead, sir.
0: I was only going to say that the the evidence in support of this thing that you are that you were undercutting right now spencer yes. is um that they did harry and ron did encounter snape um essentially at the door of the third floor corridor uh while they were on their way to warn hermione
1: right by himself the when the when, yes. by himself and the rest of the teachers had gone down to the dungeons where the troll had been announced to be so yes. th- there's still no explanation of that there's a lot of lack of explanation for the things that Snape does
0: sure um, and to be fair in terms of announcing his injuries to um, another adult at Hogwart Hogwarts, um filch is terrible.
1: <laughs> uh, remind me which one is filch oh he's I, he's I forgot he's actually announcing it to filch, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Filch would be okay with all things that are horrible and terrible from what I know about him so far.
0: Well, let's let's be clear. The actor who plays him in the uh, in the movies is also the King of the North Arises.
1: True, yes, he is Lord Frey. What is the name of that actor? Because he's he's wonderful. He's in a lot of great
0: things. I, yeah, I don't know, but he's always uh, a grouchy old man.
1: He does it, does it very well. This is also <laughs> he just one of the moments is a
0: grouchy old man in the world.
1: This is, this is also one of the moments of where I I, I feel bad. Uh, Of where I know I've seen one and a half films. And I'm pretty damn sure that includes the first movie. Mm -hmm. But I really don't remember any of this. I don't remember who the bad guy is. I'm partly assuming it isn't Snape. Because I have a vague memory of him showing up in the other movie I saw with the werewolf. So that's Mm -hmm. about my level of insider knowledge that's helping inform my commentary on this. I also just feel like it is being a conscious red herring. Of where they're giving us a lot of evidence to be convinced it is this one guy... And it feels like too good of a book for it to be that obvious that it is him. That there's a lot we can deduce to support the character's decision that this guy is a bad person. But we know that for a fact from him. Just seeing him in the classroom and what he does with the book. And also means them ill. I mean, I don't have much of an explanation for the very, very obvious assassination attempt on Harry Potter at the Quidditch event. I don't. Uh, credit to Hermione that she's smart enough to realize, okay, someone's doing this, let me scan the crowd. Oh, look, there's Snape watching. Um, and seemingly muttering under his breath. He was doing that, and seemingly that involves something to do with Harry's broom. I'm, I guess, just stubbornly not convinced that this, that he was necessarily trying to bring the broom down. For one thing, this is a really blatant assassination attempt you think there'd be blowback about. I mean... This kid's broom is going haywire in midair above everybody else. You think someone's going to have some degree of questions and there's going to be a bit of investigation as to why that happened. I mean, at the minimum, if it's literally just the broom, he's got a hell of a product liability suit. Again, referencing (laughs) wizard lawyers that I hope to see at some point. (laughs) So, we're getting a lot of evidence that Snape is... (sighs) Have have we heard on this show yet what a supporter of Voldemort's called? Have they said that? Has, Has that been in the book yet? Mm, I don't think or, so. I don't, what, what, I don't think it's a dark been in the wizard, book, but
0: I I think that I have let slip that they are called both dark wizards and death eaters.
1: I think I've heard those terms before. Uh I'll go with dark wizard for right now. Th- th- there's a lot of suggestion that he's a dark wizard uh in some ways, but I'm not convinced. I'm waiting for further possibilities to be labeled out here. Um I previously offered some degree of suspicion towards blanking out his name. Who's the defense against the dark arts teacher?
0: Professor Quirrell.
1: Quirrell. Um he vaguely shows up here in this chapter, but not much evidence directed towards him. Other than that, like doesn't Hermione like run him over at some point when she's trying to get to Snape? And Trying to
0: set Snape on fire, mm-hmm. yes.
1: <laughs> so that's eh, that's not much to really implicate him with, but I'm still I'm still hoping. I and mean, he's announcing the troll and other. Just uh, I don't trust him. I don't know why. I don't trust him. Um, but uh, that's my very suspicions laid out there. Uh, as for the Quidditch game itself, um, as predicted. It is a hell of an... I'm sure is a hell of an entertaining cluster to watch. (laughs) It is not that fun described in the text. I would say of the chapters we've had so far, this is the one I found least interesting. Mm -hmm. Just because listening to... Having a book narrate on another person commenting on a sporting event is not high entertainment. Um, Oh,
0: this is worse than listening to baseball on the radio. (laughs) I
1: think it's about as
2: a transcript of somebody who doesn't like, like calling out baseball plays, than being <laughs> yeah. like you know read by somebody who isn't
1: interested in baseball, and that's kind of yeah. how this reads. And, and even added on for me in particular, it's someone narrating about a sport I know nothing about and have no context for what <laughs> these damn words are, and so it, it sounds like it would have been a wonderful thing to watch. I mean. If we ever get a certain degree of you know jet-propelled brooms to, have to replicate this in real life, minus the liability issue of just dozens of kids dying before the event's over, I'm sure it'd be fun to watch. Um, but it didn't necessarily make for a very a very scintillating read. That's no fault to them. It's still interesting to have described out. I'd also want to say that this comes across as being one of the. Sh- if there were betters on these games, or if there were you know just fans that paid for a ticket sounds like this would be a rather disappointing game to watch because it seems like it ends real damn quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they go up to a score of about 10 and then thanks to the rule that happens with the snitch of where once the seeker mm-hmm. and eventually learn these words mm-hmm. gets it, the game stops. And it, based on the obscure amount of commentary we get, it seems like Harry ends this game like 20 minutes in. So... As an initial game of the season, I'm sure there were disappointed fans in the audience as exciting as it was, but as a game for Harry, he comes across as the hero that everyone was hoping that he was going to be, and I'm proud for him there. (laughs) So, that is my newbies notes. A certain degree of suspicion, a certain degree of environmental commentary I wasn't expecting to have about the difference between (laughs) (laughs) conservation and preservationism, you know. Um, But yeah, interesting chapter. Uh, Just not my favorite one so
0: far in any sense. (laughs)
1: all right all right well it is
0: my turn to award house points and these are as my husband might say my purview alone to award and take away Um, but the real I would say that you know despite the fact that like having this sports match described to you in a chapter is perhaps not the most scintillating read. I completely agree with you there. I am going to award the most house points to Lee Jordan for his commentary of said sports match. Um, It's it's true. And mostly the extent to which he just infuriates Professor (laughs) McGonagall.
1: It, it It is interesting to see this. You often see this in college games of having a very biased announcer, and it does make for a really inter- entertaining watch, if where you've got somebody that is clearly 100% in the camps of one of the teams. Mm-hmm. So, I would agree. He's really giving good radio. I mean, for you, for you to do a radio announcement of a game where people can't watch, where they're just relying on your commentary, you've got to make it entertaining. You've got to either really buck up the home crowd or just bash the other side so they're engaged, and he really does that well. To the degree that makes McGonagall just utterly want his blood by the time it's done. <laughs> yeah, I thought... The, when uh, he
0: just starts out with, and the Quaffle is taken immediately by Angelina Johnson of Gryffindor, what an excellent chaser that girl is, and rather attractive, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I sort of wanted to throw that in, because it's not just, you know, he's a heavy supporter of Gryffindor. There's a little bit no. more of a... Yeah.
0: There's personal commentary that is yeah. happening yeah. here. Um, so, Lee Jordan, big winner of the chapter ultimate loser of the chapter um is not someone who is technically subject to house points but in my realm uh hagrid
1: yeah he blows really the end, doesn't he?
0: yeah really th- throwing things just into the fire do, um, do, do we
1: do we know who that person is who he name drops has that name ever come up before
0: i don't know spencer
1: are you going to be able to read through 11 chapters for the next episode? I'll do it. Don't, t- don't, t- don't threaten me here. <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time.
0: <laughs> I I don't know, Spencer, um, but N- Nicholas Flamel is a name that occurs in this chapter.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> that, you, that is
1: just a very accurate statement right there.
2: I can neither confirm uh. nor deny that Nicholas <laughs> Flamel has occurred anywhere other than in the last couple of sentences of this chapter.
1: This is a non-story. Now, I respect your authority as god Empress of this particular segment, but may I offer another possibility for Loser as well?
0: Please do. Uh,
1: can I offer Snape as an ultimate loser of this chapter, just to the sheer degree of in- of injury and clothing damage he suffers by the, p- by the time he's done?
0: He does seem like he's in a lot of pain. I
2: was going to say, without any spoilers, can you award House Points in any meaningful way, Sarah?
0: No. <laughs> Therefore, uh, so I will say that I predicate the segment on I am trying to award house points only on what we learn in a given chapter.
1: Gotcha. All right. Well, I I endorse your decisions. I would offer Snape as a possible runner-up just to cheer the sheer bodily and clothing injury he suffers by the time he's done. But I'm getting some hints from you guys that there may be more at play here that I'll have to pay attention for later.
2: Yeah, and I just want to say I think you should go back to the newbies notes that you have. Once we get a little bit further on in the plot and you might have some revelations as to, to what Sarah's probably being very good about not talking to you about.
1: You taught me, sir. So. Uh, I will that, keep, that is, keep these
2: notes for later. That is my, one of my joys in life.
1: Um, <laughs> and. Oh yeah. 15 years of history has proven that one
2: well. Onto on one of my others. Um, yeah. Speaking of oh, joys God. in life. <laughs> asking Sarah questions. So I feel like. I'm going to harp on this a little bit, but it's not really a question, um, which is just, I just want to comment on the goofiness of things that are magically uh, relevant, necessary, and whatever else, and things that are not, and they don't always seem to um, square. So everybody's using binoculars, or the ones that have them are, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like a Okay, you know, that's very sensible. But then we also get the the uh, Weasleys don't know what soccer is. Mm-hmm. So I just want to sort of say, like, I feel like some consistency would be nice. Like, call it a farce or call it something else. Don't call it binoculars, because, like... either do one or the other either like everything muggle is just weird and no one has it and knows about it. And that's like something weird that everybody talks about because there are a couple of people that essentially are from muggle families or just, just go a hundred percent. And you know, for the most part, everybody's aware of muggle stuff and they use it when it's convenient. Um, I I
0: think, so I think that this is a fair point. Um, there is a, a remarco- there are a remarkable number of inconsistencies in sort of that front. Um, I will point out that while every indication suggests in this chapter that Hermione is using, well, so first of all, hold on, back up for a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hermione is using the b- binoculars, correct?
1: Uh, they're Hagrids, aren't
2: they? I don't remember. I just remember oh, they might be Hagrids because used.
0: he was watching from his hut.
2: Okay. He's not allowed to use magic, officially. Okay, so. so that might would make a lot more sense. Officially. <laughs> yeah. Except he does all the time. Uh, yeah, and yeah, everyone knows um, it.
0: But maybe not in front of everyone at a Quidditch match. Right. Um, but what I was going to say is that you are right. There are a lot of inconsistencies. Um, we do learn in Book 4 that despite the fact that these very much seem like, and really probably are, normal binoculars there are wizard magically enhanced binoculars that allow you to watch a Quidditch match where you can um, have commentary flash in front of you in the binoculars where you can um, rewind and replay in slow-mo using the binoculars themselves what you have just seen and where different techniques and moves in a given game are explained in the binocular viewfinder uh, as you watch.
2: So Google Glass for wizards. Uh huh. Cool. Yes. Um. So I. Another thing that I'm going to point out. So so this segment is also you know things that I'm going to bother Sarah about, not just ask <laughs> her about. Um. So we talked about red shirts in a previous episode. Um. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of wondering. Does Neville actually ever appear before being scared? Like, has he ever actually included anything other than as a everybody should be scared because Neville's crying? Yes. Okay. Um,
0: um, yes. Now, these are, they come later and they are few and far between, but okay. they are significant.
2: Gotcha. Because essentially Neville appears in this chapter when mm-hmm. he's already crying because you're supposed to be scared that Harry's in, in a bad way.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, there, you, you are right to suggest that there is a lot of that. Um, but there are there are different and very impactful moments that uh, work against that later on.
2: Gotcha. Um, so now on to the first actual question, and probably my last actual <laughs> question before I hand <laughs> it over to Spencer, um, which is, is there no sort of magical monitoring at all, because there is apparently a lot of, um, magical interplay that is happening during the Quidditch match that, um, presumably certain people should be able to figure out and maybe some people do, but it doesn't seem to be widespread and it only seems to be, like, you know, enough of the main characters to be relevant to the book, um, but, Is, like, magic doesn't seem to always be invisible, and it sort of sometimes seems to be invisible. Is there, like, uh, some rule of thumb that we should have, or something else to know when, like, other people can know that magic's going on, or they can't? And if they can't, why in the past, you know, couple thousand years that magic presumably has been around since, you know, Almighty Merlin, is there not some sort of, like there's a lot of magic happening over in that direction, either avoid it or pay attention to it, Uh, a little like, uh, I don't know, uh, the compass or something.
0: Um, so a couple of things, I think that this kind of understanding of when magic is, these indicators of when magic is happening in a given space or not. Um, there are kind of trackers Mm
1: -hmm. that.
0: We'll deal with that. No, they are used within the wizarding community specifically to track uh, underage wizards who are using magic in spaces they should not be. Um, which becomes a th- thing later on. Um, for the most part, it's not tracked. Although I think that you can, you can certainly see when magic is happening in a certain way if you are part of this. If you if you are a witch or a wizard. Um, In places where magic is not particularly widespread, I think part of your question kind of comes from the idea of like, what is happening in this scene? And why is there such confusion about what is going on with Harry's broom? Yeah. Why is it not obvious to other people, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I know it has to not
2: be obvious. Like I get that from a retrospective, but sort of the other side of it is like, there are spells to, and I'm doing this to the dismay of any younger listeners that we have. You can eat <laughs> away any like object, like a wand, which is, you know, been used. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you could do that to somebody's broom. And as far as we know, there are no rules against it. And like, it seems like literally anybody in the stands could have done it. And like, everyone had just been like, oh shit, he fell off the broom. Um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So, uh, I I think, okay. So specifically in that instance, I mean, the what is kind of explained in terms of of so that there's the question of why doesn't this happen to brooms fairly frequently and then there's the question of like what is going on in the wider world of magic um, I think it is explained a little bit that like the broom manufacturers in the in the broom sports industry that we talked a little bit about on a previous chapter mm-hmm. or a previous episode um, One of the things that they do to their brooms is they put sort of like anti-hexing spells or anti-cursing spells. And so the idea that something has broken through this spell or broken through those protections um, means that it is particularly powerful and potentially not therefore in the forefront of the minds of people at a school Quidditch match. Um, And so I guess there's, there's that um i think the question of the identification specifically of a given act of magic at hogwarts is difficult simply because the the kind of ma- the magic is everywhere the castle runs on magic so it's difficult to kind of there's there's just that much like static electricity in the air um that it makes it more difficult to determine sort of where a given act of magic is coming from
2: i'm willing to accept your hand waving but i don't approve of it okay
0: (laughs) well i will say that that is the same hand waving that makes sort of like traditional muggle electronics not work at hogwarts fair enough Hmm. so it is hand waving but it is somewhat consistent hand waving (laughs) like spells
1: um yes (laughs) Hmm. all right uh first thing Uh, I, somewhat annoyed that you were taunting me with Nicholas Flamel, decided to scan back through my notes, and lo and behold, (laughs) I marked this. In my notes, I actually marked this as, who's this, question mark, back in like chapter six, and I think Dumbledore's like little biography on the back of the card, uh, we get... Uh, Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the Dark Wizard of Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of 12 uses of the Dragon's Blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. This has come up before. I, this still gives me nothing, but I'm still proud of myself that I found this.
0: You um, did, you did find it.
1: Okay, so this is a thing, uh, he's been referenced before, he's got prior connections with Dumbledore. I don't mm-hmm. have much to go on, and but it suggests work on alchemy, alchemy, suggest what may have been in that tiny little pouch give it also the name of this book i have hints
2: well <laughs> the the real name of the book which is yes, harry potter and hints. the philosopher's stone rather than the sorcerer's stone which makes a
1: lot of things make more sense yes including the alchemy connection too yeah okay so i i've got theories and they are just you know they're electrifying and spiraling but getting back to questions uh, <laughs> first question practical question to what degree is Hermione's behavior with respect to their homework condoned? Is this like a UNC Chapel Hill situation with athletes, or would they be punished <laughs> if this came out?
0: Um, They would be punished if this came out.
1: Okay, so th- what she's doing is not kosher. Is she aware of that fact? Because
0: she seems pretty straight and narrow on the rules to engage in what could be described as cheating. Yes, I think that she has tried to structure it such that she, her conscience, well, maybe not at complete rest, can catch an occasional catnap.
1: Yeah. She she seems to be building us on the idea that, the, uh, no, 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 I'm not doing this for you. This is a study group. We're learning together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just making sure everything's right.
0: Which, and if it's not right, I will indicate to you that you might want to find a different answer.
1: Because we're learning. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, That's a creative turn of the phrase. Make. Yeah, I, I agree with your description of she's trying to to ease her battered conscience here.
2: I mean, but also, right. like, I think it's, it's not a, like, yeah, homework short of done alone and whatever else their assignments, but I feel like in some things, like, there is an expectation to a certain extent that, like, people can work together, and if someone says, yeah, that's not right,
1: mm-hmm. and they're wrong, you're, what? like, it doesn't. Spoken, spoken like a true scientist, BJ. <laughs> Learning is a communal effort, basis of science. I also would say, though, that she's basically grading their homework before they submit it to a teacher, and that kind of crosses the line. Um, next question. We see again in this chapter that they're not really allowed to do magic. That, like, when they're outside reading a book, Hermione's kind of made a little flame-in-a-jar thing, that sounds really cool. Um, but they have to kind of hide it from Snape under fear of being punished. Mm -hmm. are they as students really not allowed to use magic is this basically kind of like a learner's permit thing where they're only allowed to use magic with an adult in the car
0: um yeah more or less they are certainly we certainly see them in condoned spaces sort of practicing particular spells that they are supposed to be learning for their classes um but this kind of unsupervised particularly spells that have not been introduced in the curriculum practice of magic is i think annoying if not terrifying to the professors trying to maintain order at hogwarts particularly when you get a bunch of sort of like hormonal teenagers wandering the halls with grudges and crushes and all kinds of nonsense
1: Uh, Hence why the uh, castle groundskeeper just utterly hates these little children, because I can only imagine what shit he has to go through trying to wrangle them.
0: He hates them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Final question from me, and this is just kind of a speculating thing, but uh, when we hear about uh, Cerberus, a.k.a. Fluffy, um, we hear from Hagrid that, I got this right, I bought it from a Greek chappy at a pub. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we suggesting that Hades is real and lives in this world and that that, uh, Hagrid met him at a pub and bought Cerberus? Or is this just a (laughs) fun in-joke that a Greek guy, of course, gave him Cerberus?
0: Any of said possibilities are within the (laughs) realm of what might happen. I can neither confirm nor deny
2: (laughs) the presence of Hades in an English pub that might have sold Hagrid a dog that you ascribe to be Cerberus, which I also neither confirm nor deny. (laughs)
1: We've already established that various figures that are, you know, officially judged gods, or at least incredibly powerful magical entities in mythology, are real in this world. So I'm not putting it past them that the Greek pantheon exists and various gods are just wandering around with their various mythical creatures to offer to British groundskeepers. But I'm taking it that you cannot confirm nor deny, because I'm hearing that a lot this episode, Sarah.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we, I don't think that we learn anything more about the specific person that sold Sir, uh, Fluffy uh, to Hagrid in the Hogsmeade pub. We do encounter other creatures that may or may not have been sold to Hagrid in a Hogsmeade pub later. Hopefully, Hopefully we none get to of go-
2: Zeus's...
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: we get to go to this pub at one point? It
1: sounds like a wonderful place to spend an evening. Yes. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, this <laughs> book, or do I, am I gonna forget that I even no, it's, by the time it's I get to it? No, it's a couple
0: of books from now. Damn it!
1: All right, you guys give me such hopes for what we're gonna get to eventually.
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you all interested enough to continue on this project with me.
1: Hey, I made it through Quidditch. I can make it through the next chapter with pleasure.
0: We are we are well over halfway through this book, guys.
1: That's exciting. Really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I should know this. My Kindle says 58%. Yes, I believe you now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the
1: numbers don't lie. <laughs> All right. Any, anything to finish this off with? Any further questions or harassing of Sarah, BJ? Um,
2: yeah. I have the perfect thing to end with. Um oh God. So um, it's been a blast as always, guys. And I do have one last question for Sarah to ponder with the rest of her week until we uh, rejoin uh, everybody next week, which is... Sarah, did you know that there is a $75 a year subscription service to the gold version of the Wizarding World, where you can get uh, tailored content and extra sort of behind the scenes stuff, and it comes with streaming service and I think some personalized gear?
0: Listeners, by the time this episode goes up, we will have our very own Patreon page. I believe that will be (laughs) patreon.com slash potteringaround.
1: Buy us shit, please.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's my last announcement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Till next week, guys. <laughs> next week, we're moving on to, what is it, chapter 12, which I'm out of place in my Kindle now because I was browsing back to see what uh, Dumbledore's biography was. What is, it what is, is the next the, chapter?
0: The Mirror of Erised.
1: Hmm. Oh, God. No answer. idea what that is.
2: <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. And on that note. All right.
0: <laughs> Till next week, y'all.